Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, As always, I appreciate you being here. And as always, I'm excited to dive into this week's episode of the podcast. We're going to do another uh, mega Q&A today. I got how many questions do I have here? Three, six. I have seven questions uh, for us to dive into. Uh, some of them, you know, really popular questions. Some of them first-time questions. Some of them timely questions. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to dive into each one of them today on the show. And um, yeah, let's get right to it. I'll tell you what the questions are, uh, give you the full rundown, and then we can dive into each one individually here. So question number one is going to be, uh, I played a sport today. If I'm sore, should I skip training tomorrow or can I still go to the gym? So just that concept of like, okay, you did something yesterday, you woke up today, you're feeling sore and you're not sure if that means you should take a day off or if it's okay for you to go to the gym. So we'll talk about different scenarios uh, and how you can troubleshoot that to figure out what's going to be best for you. Uh, Question number two, what's the difference between barbell Romanian deadlifts and dumbbell Romanian deadlifts? Doesn't matter which one you choose. Question number three, what are your favorite exercises for building your back Question number four, I've lost a lot of weight and I'm being called horrible names by my family. How do I get past it? So how to deal with those dynamics of making some type of change with your health, your fitness, your body, and dealing with you know the feedback that you can get. Oftentimes, it's completely unsolicited. Um, okay, question number five, does muscle actually weigh more than fat? I just started lifting. I'm in a calorie deficit. My weight has stayed the same. Um, I'm overweight. I was hoping to see progress on the scale, but it hasn't happened yet. Question number six, uh, do you feel like getting your steps in via walking alone is an effective form of cardio for burning calories? And question number seven, Thoughts on the liver king admitting to taking steroids. We can talk about that controversy uh, to end the episode. And if you're not aware of it, well, we'll dive in. It is one of the uh, more bizarre things to ever happen in the fitness industry, but at the same time, it's something that happens all the time. So lots of good stuff to dive into on this episode. I'm really excited to get started. Uh, but before we do, you know, as always, I'd just like to remind you that I am a online fitness coach. And if you have a goal, say you want to build muscle, burn fat, develop healthy lifestyle habits, maybe do all three of those. Uh, And really, you know, this time of year, I think a lot of people are planning for their New Year's resolutions, the things that they want to achieve with their health and fitness in 2023. And if that's you, well, we could work together, get you on a program, make it personalized to you and make sure that the things that you're doing are actually working you in the right direction. Um, that's what I do. I work with people all over the world to do that, the very thing exactly. Um, and uh, it's a blast. It, it's honestly a blast. I love the people that I work with. Um, and I am going to be opening up coaching applications at the beginning of the year. Um, and just as a quick heads up, if you're not on my mailing list, you got to get on my mailing list. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, but the mailing list is going to get a pretty heavy discount on coaching uh, to start the year. And I'm going to be opening coaching applications up to start the year. And it's going to last a week. And I will tell you right now that after that period of time, I probably will not be opening coaching applications back up until summer or maybe even fall, depending on how many people jump on board. So just as a heads up, like, 
that period of time is coming up. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you know you've been kind of interested in maybe you know taking the leap, getting some coaching, getting on a program with your training and your nutrition and your lifestyle habits and all the things wrapped together to help you finally move in the right direction, well, this is the time to do it, okay? So get on my mailing list. Make sure you're on my mailing list and um, I'll give you more information when the time is coming to open up applications and and when you can submit your own. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But let's dive into the meat of the episode here, which is going to be a mega Q&A, like I said. And we can dive into that first question, which is, uh, if I played a sport and I'm sore today, should I skip training uh, or can I still go to the gym? So this is essentially the question is, if I feel sore today, is it still okay for me to go to the gym and train? And the answer is it depends, which is often the case with so many different things in health and fitness, right? It depends. It depends on you specifically, how you are specifically feeling and uh, what you have planned for today. So, you know, in general, soreness, let's talk about soreness first and foremost. Soreness is feedback from your body that you did something that was either pretty challenging or a new stimulus, something different that you don't normally do the day before. You do whatever that activity is, playing a sport, maybe it could be lifting weights, going for a run, really whatever you do. If you wake up the next day sore, it is a sign of feedback from your body that like, hey, that was challenging in some way. Either it's new or it was more difficult than usual and your body is doing things to have to recover from that. So that soreness is feedback and it's important to pay attention to that feedback. Now, what I will say is that like soreness doesn't indicate whether or not a workout was good because oftentimes if you are playing a sport, so in this case, playing a sport uh, or lifting weights, whatever you're doing, if the form of physical activity that you do is something that you end up doing consistently, over time you will stop getting sore from it because your body will get more efficient at performing that activity and then it will be better at recovering from that activity, right? And it will make adaptations along the way so that you're able to just be more efficient at it. So soreness is important to pay attention to. Soreness is not everything, but I do think that soreness can be a helpful guide to pay close attention to on a daily basis. So when we're talking about doing some type of physical activity, uh, you did something yesterday, you woke up today, you feel sore, let's pay attention to where that soreness is. Uh, So if you wake up sore and it's in your lower body and you're really feeling it in your quads and your hamstrings and your glutes and you're supposed to go squat and deadlift today, maybe today is not the best day for you to go squat and deadlift. Maybe we should push that exercise back or do some other type of training today, which leads me to the next part of this. If you wake up and your lower body sore, right? We just said it, quads, hamstrings, glutes. If those are sore today, but you have some type of upper body workout planned, then I would say that's probably perfectly fine for you to go into the gym, you know, train chest, shoulders, and triceps, or if it's back and biceps, or whatever the combination of things. Um, if those muscle groups feel good and feel like you can get in there and train, uh, I would say there's probably no reason for you to not get in there and train. It's really kind of important for you to pay attention to the muscle group that's giving you that soreness feedback and pair it with what you're supposed to do today. And if the soreness matches up with what you're supposed to train, I might suggest flipping things around. 
So can we train something else today and maybe try that workout tomorrow when you're perhaps feeling a bit more fresh? Uh, you can also train when you're feeling sore. Um, it, it, it's it's not, you know, soreness isn't always going to say like, well, if you're sore today, you can't train that muscle. I mean, sometimes you can, uh, but in general, if you have the flexibility to move things around, it's always better to try and train when your muscles are fresh. So that would be my general recommendation without getting too far into the weeds. Uh, just pay attention to where that soreness is. Pay attention to what is in your workout program for today and for this week and try to align things appropriately. Ideally, if you're going to lift weights, you want to be as fresh as possible when you go into each training session so that you can get the best possible performance out of that training session. Um, and, and when you have the best possible performance, that probably means you're going to get the best stimulus and then if everything else is aligned correctly, get the best adaptation, which means you're going to make more progress. Question number two, what's the difference between barbell Romanian deadlifts and dumbbell Romanian deadlifts? And does it matter which one you choose? So, you know, the big difference between barbell Romanian deadlifts and dumbbell Romanian deadlifts is the type of weight that you're using, right? With one, you use a barbell and the other, you use dumbbells. Um, now, from a concept standpoint, the concept of the two is probably slightly different, but I will say at the end of the day, like whichever version you choose, whichever variation you roll with, you're primarily going to be training your hamstrings and glutes, and it's going to challenge your posterior chain, right? So everything like the, you know, your, your mid back all the way down to your glutes and then your hamstrings are going to be the primary movers. It's a hip hinge exercise, regardless of using a dumbbell or a barbell. Um, I, I will say, you know, which is, and this is typically the case for most exercises where you can use dumbbells or a barbell, the barbell variation is going to allow you to lift heavier weight. That's just, you know, based on leverages, a barbell will allow you to load up more weight. So if you are using the Romanian deadlift exercise to build strength, then a barbell variation is probably going to be better for you just because it's going to allow you to lift more weight. If you want to get stronger, inherently you need to lift more weight, right? Like that's part of getting stronger. Um, if you're using it specifically for building muscle, um, you could probably go in either direction, but I might lean towards the dumbbell variation just because uh, while it is lighter, you can typically feel the exercise a bit more in the hamstrings and glutes because you have that freedom with the dumbbells uh, to bring them along to your sides, which keeps the dumbbells more in line with the midpoint of your body. Uh, that tends to just get people a better feel from the exercise. So you can engage the muscles better. And if you can engage the muscles better, it typically means you're getting a stimulus that's better for growth long-term. And also, you know, when you're trying to build muscle, if it's just specifically for you, you want to build muscle, um, you, you have to factor in the fatigue cost of any exercise. And when you do a barbell exercise where you can load up a ton of weight, that's going to come with a higher fatigue cost than a dumbbell variation where you're using less weight. Uh, it's just, you know, your muscles have to recover from it. Your CNS has to recover from it. Uh, it's more taxing to lift heavier weight. So if you are just focused on building muscle, I might suggest that you do the dumbbell variation of the Romanian deadlift, uh, maybe lift a lighter weight for a bit higher reps, really feel the exercise, and you 
probably be able to recover from that a bit quicker. It probably will have less like bleed over into the rest of your strength training routine where you won't be building up a ton of fatigue really quickly. You can continue to stay fresh for each and every training session. You continue to efficiently recover from each and every training session. Um, that's kind of the, I think the benefit of the dumbbell variation. So I think it like, does it matter which one you choose? It, yeah, depending on your goal. And I would say if your goal is primarily strength, I would lean towards the barbell variation. If your goal is primarily to build muscle, I would probably lean towards the dumbbell variation. Question number three, what are your favorite exercises for building your back? This is a great question, and it's one that I actually have a full article uh, published about on my website. So if you go to chrisgatesfitness.com and you look for the article titled The Best Exercises to Build Your Back, you could also just Google search Chris Gates best exercises to build your back, you'll find it. Um, I have a full article outlining my top exercises and I'll walk through them briefly here. Uh, but like when we're talking about the best exercises to build your back, there's some things to keep in mind. Like first and foremost, the anatomy of your back and how it works. Um, primarily when you're lifting to target your back muscles, there's the lats, which are kind of on the, the outside of your back that they insert into your hip, and they're what make your back kind of look wider. There's the spinal erectors, which run up the side of your spine, and they, they help you increase what looks like the thickness of your back. And then there's the traps and the rhomboids, which are between the shoulder blades. They also contribute to that thick look uh, and that muscular look of, of, of your back. Those are primarily the, the muscles that you end up targeting or, or that people want to target when they want to build their back. And there are three exercises that do a really good job of that. Uh, number one, I would recommend pull-ups. Most people don't do pull-ups because they're hard. And that, it, to me, is why I think you probably should do pull-ups because if it's hard, uh, that means the better you get at it, the stronger you're going to be, the more muscle you're going to build, and the better you're going to look. So pull-ups would be my number one. And the cool thing about pull-ups is like there's a lot of ways to use exercise variation to allow you to do pull-ups. So if you if you physically can't do a bodyweight pull-up, which a lot of people can't, or some people can do like two, and so, okay, if you're doing sets of two, how much muscle are you going to be able to build? You need to get more sets and reps, right? So you can use assisted pull-ups to help you build up the capacity to do sets of six to eight, eight to 10, 10 to 12, whatever it may be. Um, and so for beginners, or if you don't have the strength to do bodyweight pull-ups, a lot of gyms have assisted pull-up machines, uh, or you could use a resistance band, uh, wrap it around a pull-up bar and put your feet into it to provide assistance, helps you lift your body up and then resist your body on the way back down. Um, that's a great place to start. As you start to build up some capacity, then you can kind of do a mixture of body weight and assisted. And so you can get to a point where you can do body weight. And then after body weight, once you get really good at body weight, you can put a belt around your waist, add some weight to that belt, and you could do weighted pull-ups. So there's a ton of variation uh, in there, which I think is really, really beneficial. So I would highly encourage pull-ups. Um, beyond that, I'm a big fan of barbell rows or some type of horizontal row, to be honest with you. So I like barbell rows where you're fully bent over and your back is parallel with the ground. If you can't get into that position, if that's hard for you, you could also try doing just like seated cable rows or chest supported horizontal row. That's a really good one. Um, that's going to target the vast 
majority of the muscles in your back. That's another one I would recommend. And the third one is the lat pull down. I really like having some type of vertical pull. If you're doing a lat pull down with a lat pull down bar, get your grip just slightly wider than shoulder width. You don't have to go super wide. A lot of people make that mistake. If you go super wide, you're going to reduce the range of motion. If you go just wider than shoulder width, that tends to be best for most people. Um, And pull down to the top of the chest, resist the weight on the way back up. It's going to allow you to lift a decent amount of weight and uh, really target the back well. So those are my three favorite. And I would encourage you to dive into that article on my website if you want to learn more uh, because there's a lot of details in there about you know form and technique pointers, mistakes that you should avoid. I think I even provided a example workout plan where you can prioritize your back. So I would highly recommend you check that out. Question number four, I've lost a lot of weight and I'm being called terrible names by my family. How do I get past it? Um, that's that's really tough. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but... In a lot of cases, uh, when you choose to make some type of positive change for yourself, for your own health, your own fitness, um, and you start to see change, uh, oftentimes the people closest to you aren't as supportive as you would think that they would be. A lot of people get insecure, to be honest with you. A lot of people get insecure about seeing you, their loved one, you've always been the same way forever, and now you're making a change. And whether you like it or not, that's a change for them. That's a change for them in their life. So uh, that's that's hard for other people to deal with. Like maybe you don't want to go out and eat at the same places or you don't want to go out and eat at all. Or when you normally hang out, maybe you're in the gym now. Um, and then, you know, when you start showing up, you start looking leaner and more cut and more defined and that person doesn't and they feel insecure about it. Like there's a lot of dynamics wrapped up in this stuff. So, you know, I I would say as hard as it sounds and as hard as it truly is, there's probably some empathy that that you have to have for those people because I think they're not calling you terrible names because they're terrible people necessarily or that you're doing something terrible. They just don't know how to deal with it. That that really, I think, is part of it. Um, And how to get past it, I think it's like, you know, there's kind of this this bell curve where it's like when you start doing something positive for yourself and you start seeing change, you're going to get those reactions early on. But the longer you do the things that you believe in and work towards the goals that you have, the more people are going to get used to the new version of you. They will settle in. They will understand the the new life, right? Uh, That you have and the new interactions that inherently the two of you are going to have. And they'll get, they will get past it, which will help you get past it because those comments will trickle down. They will start to fade back away. I can say this from personal experience. Um, nobody in my family is a lifter, okay? And strength uh, is not something that has ever been part of like our family history or anything like that. So when I first got into lifting weights um, and started eating a different way and started treating all this stuff, you know, as a higher priority... I would I would get those comments all the time like oh you, you Chris is no fun to eat with anymore or this that the other thing um, and I still do get them occasionally to be honest with you but like they really as people saw like oh he's consistent with this this stuff this is what he believes and this is what he does now they eventually got over it and it wasn't easy for me to deal with that there were times when I would hear those comments and say like you know should I should I not be doing what I'm doing like that that 
doubt certainly crept into my brain, and I'm sure it's probably creeping into your brain too. Uh, but you have to stick with the belief that you have and the goals that you have and the process that you're going about it. And the longer you do that, the easier it will get. I promise you that. It's not easy now. And 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 this is common. What you're dealing with is common. So hopefully that helps a little bit. But you're going to be able to get past it by continuing to do what you're doing. And you'll get past it because they'll get past it. That's That's really how it works. Okay, question number five. Does muscle actually weigh more than fat? Uh, I just started lifting. I'm in a calorie deficit and my weight has stayed the same. I'm overweight and was hoping to see more progress on this scale, but it hasn't happened yet. So, okay, this is a common thing that people say. Muscle weighs more than fat. First and foremost, I hate to break it to you, but one pound of muscle is the exact same as one pound of fat. I like it's when you really think about the quote, uh, it's so silly because one pound of anything, when it's compared to one pound of something else, they're both one pound. You know what I mean? Like it's not, uh, it's not that one weighs more than the other. But what that that phrase means, muscle weighs more than fat. It, what it really should be is that muscle is more dense than fat. Okay, so one pound of muscle physically is smaller than one pound of fat on your body. Um, So does muscle weigh more than fat? No, they weigh the same thing, but muscle is more dense. Um, Now, for what you said, you know, you're you're in a calorie deficit, you're lifting, your weight has stayed the same. All of that is very common, okay? And, and, And I see this with my clients constantly. So many people out there will say, you can't build muscle and burn fat at the same time. To anybody that would say that, I would invite you person to look at some of the exercise research and see how often it does happen because if you're a beginner or in this case if you're overweight or obese you're in a prime position to be able to build muscle and burn fat at the same time and what i would say is keep going keep doing exactly what you're doing because it it doesn't last forever the ability to do that doesn't last forever typically you got like six months to a year to be able to do that if you're a beginner uh, or if you're overweight um, until, until that ability kind of fades away. And then you have to approach things in phases where you do a fat loss phase followed by a maintenance or muscle building phase. Um, but, but what you described, your weight stayed the same is extremely common. What I would recommend that you do, and I recommend this to everybody, every single one of my clients does this. In addition to tracking your weight on the scale, I want you to take waist measurements and I want you to take progress photos, okay? And in this instance, the progress photos in particular are probably going to be more valuable to you than anything. All the time, constantly, I find with my clients that like we maybe don't see the progress on the scale as much, but we see the progress in the photos and the measurements in insane amounts, okay? It is very, very common to see your body change without seeing it reflected on the scale very much. The scale tends to be, again, for those individuals that are beginners or overweight, the scale tends to be uh, not the best measure of progress. Now, like, yes, do you want to see the scale go down if you're overweight? Of course. And if the scale goes down and you're overweight, is that associated with better health? Of course. But it's not linear. The the way this stuff works is not linear, and you can absolutely build muscle and burn fat at the same time. Um, And and by taking waist measurements, it's going to help you 
understand how much body fat you're potentially losing around your torso, which is where we store the most body fat, right? Um, and then progress photos are going to help you see the entirety of your body to be able to see what is changing and when. Because with losing body fat in particular, uh, it's highly genetic regarding where and when you lose body fat. You may not lose weight around your waist at first. You may lose it from your arms and from your thighs and from your butt. You know, like it, it's going to come off in different places at different times. And how that happens is specifically different for every individual. So if you're taking progress photos and you can see your full body and do that once a month, uh, that's going to help you understand what progress you're making. Now, if you see the scale isn't changing, you're not seeing pro progress in your photos, you're not seeing change in your waist measurements, then you probably need to change something about what you're doing. But if the scale's not moving and you see that you're looking leaner in your photos uh, or you're seeing your waist measurements go down, then you're doing everything right. You just got to keep doing exactly what you're doing. It doesn't take all three of those to confirm that you're doing the right thing. It takes one of those three things. So if the scale's not going down, but the waist measurements are, you're doing the right thing. If the scale's not going down, but your progress photos look good, you're doing the right thing. You just got to keep going. Um, that is what I would recommend to you uh, because you absolutely can do both. You can build muscle and burn fat at the same time, uh, especially when you are overweight. So make sure you're getting all the data that you can to help you make the most informed decisions that you can. Question number six, do you feel like getting your steps in via walking is an effective form of cardio for burning calories and for fat loss? I absolutely do. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the daily activity metric of just setting a step count goal and hitting it every day is vastly more impactful than the 20 to 30 minute cardio workout you could do in the gym. And there's a lot of exercise research that backs this up. Like if you look at the percentage of the calories that you burn every single day, a very small percent, five to 10% of the, the calories you burn every day actually come from your planned workouts. A much larger percentage of it comes from, you know, your body's daily functions, right? Whatever your body has to do, digest food uh, with, with your fidgeting, the, the function of your organs, breathing, like all this stuff that your body regularly does is a vast majority of the calories you burn. On top of that, your NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which basically means just like all the activity you do across the day that is not planned exercise takes up a bigger percentage of the calories you burn every day than your actual workouts. So when we know that, the best thing you could possibly do is try to just be as active as you can throughout the day. And that does not mean try and be like, okay, every 10 minutes I'm going to do push-ups at my desk. That's not what I mean. I mean what this person just asked about, set a step count goal and try to hit it every day. So if, if you don't know how many steps you get, try like 7,500 and try to hit that for a few weeks. If that's easy, go to 10,000. If that's easy, go to 12,500. If that's easy, go to 15,000. Like setting a step count goal is going to keep daily activity at the top of your mind and keep you thinking about, oh, I need to be moving more. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. I need to be getting up from my desk and moving around so that I can get to 10,000 steps or whatever the goal is that you set for yourself. It is unbelievably impactful. And, and uh, to be honest with you, like I plan cardio for my clients, but 
most of my clients also have a step count goal because it's that important. Uh, and, and in the last cut that I did over the summer, I did a 90 day fat loss phase. Uh, the only planned cardio I had was my step count, which again is not really planned cardio. It was just like, Hey, find a way to get to 8,000 to 10,000 steps a day. That was my goal. And I hit it consistently. And I found that that fat loss phase was easier than any fat loss phase I've ever had because in previous fat loss phases, I was trying to do you know more planned cardio that was more aggressive. I, I hated it. I wasn't a big fan of cardio. I never really have uh, loved cardio like I love lifting. And so that made me dread the process more, which made adherence tougher. And uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't as beneficial for me as just setting a step count goal, going for a couple 10 minute walks a day, hopping on the walk pad in my office. You know, sometimes when I was short of my goal late in the day, I would walk circles around the house, which sounds crazy. Uh, But like I said, it makes you think, it makes you adhere to the concept of being more active on a daily basis. And when you're doing that, you will find that you're more active. You hit that step count and it's gonna cause you to, like you said, burn more calories, uh, help with fat loss, do all the things that you wanna do. So yes, steps via walking is probably the first thing I would want you to think about if you're trying to lose body fat. All right, last on the list, let's talk about Liver King. Uh, Thoughts on the Liver King admitting to taking steroids? If you don't know who the Liver King is, you can Google him. Um, The guy... You know, I'm sure his heart was in the right place with trying to help people. Um, but he's uh, this guy that you know has these tenets that he le- lives by. I think he calls them ans- ancestral tenets, um, which is like you know basically stripping life back to the bare bones of, uh, I guess, where our ancestors started uh, and how they lived their lives, and you should live your life too that way if you want to have you know the best health possible build muscle burn fat look jacked which he did um but like and and he was asked about being on steroids because if you look at the dude he's jacked he is unbelievably jacked um he has you know people would actually wonder if he had ab implants because his abs were so huge and cut and defined um he's just he jacked to the gills to the point where it's like you can look at some people and be like yeah okay but that guy's on steroids and it was always obvious that this guy was on steroids um but he never admitted to it he would actually always say i'm not when he was asked about it and then a week ago uh these emails came out where he was seen talking about the steroids that he takes and so we we got confirmation that he's on steroids, even though I think everybody should have known he's on steroids. Um, he didn't get that jacked because he eats raw liver and bull testicles and all the other weird shit that he talks about. Now, this guy also, in addition to saying like you should live this way, he had a huge supplement line, has a huge supplement line and built it into a multi-million dollar company based on what now has been very clearly uh, exposed as a lie because he did not get the body that he has uh, from living that way. He got a lot of help from anabolic steroids. And like, you know, this is a great, this is a huge like outlier, weird situation of one guy. But this one weird outlier situation with one guy, the liver king, is a good example of why you should be very wary of who you listen to in the fitness industry. And I know like, hey, I'm a very, very, very small piece of the fitness industry. Most people have no idea who I am. But 
the people that get very famous, that have a very large voice in the fitness industry, that are jacked and tan and have this physique that you want, and they also sell products that they say you can take to get to look that the way that they look. You need to be very, very wary and cautious and, and maybe a little skeptical of anybody who says they have a secret uh, or a line of products that will help you look like them because um, oftentimes it's not true. And you would be shocked at the amount of people in the fitness industry who actually are on steroids and say they aren't and you don't know about it. Um, I'm not talking about everybody, but boy, am I talking more than like five or 10%. It is unbelievable the amount of people in the fitness industry who are on steroids and who are not honest about it. They're taking special sports supplements and um, they're not honest about it. And, and you're hearing them talk about the, the, you know, the meals that they eat, the workouts that they do. And since they leave that piece out about steroids very conveniently, it makes people think that the meals they eat and the workouts they do get them to look like that. They take a few supplements and it's crazy. You should do the same stuff. When you leave out that very important little piece of information, it's extremely misleading to the consumer and it's messed up, to be honest with you. It's messed up. Um, and I think a lot of people have been fooled to think that you can look a certain way or you should be able to look a certain way if you just do these couple of things that this guy says. And then when people can't see that progress, they get more down on themselves and it leads to a really uh, disordered relationship with fitness and food and healthy lifestyle habits, all because fitness influencers who are on steroids are not honest about it and it sends other people down a really dark and twisted path. Uh, and they're not honest about it just so that they can keep making money and keep fooling you to think, that you could do these things uh, without the use of anabolic steroids. Um, it is a shockingly high number of people in the fitness industry who are on juice. And I would just encourage you, especially this time of year, we're in December, we're getting close to New Year's. I would encourage you to be skeptical, to be very wary, to be just like questioning and critical of the things that you're buying or buying into. Uh, as you set your New Year's resolutions and your fitness goals for 2023, uh, please don't, <laughs> you know, it's like, don't judge a book by its cover. But at the same time, like, does it seem a little suspicious? Does that person seem like maybe they're not telling you everything? Because if it seems like that, it's probably true. That's all I'll say. And the Liver King is a great example of how that happens all the time in the fitness industry. He's just like a... <laughs> like I said, a wild, a wild example. And, uh, I mean, come on, the guy was, it was obvious he was on steroids the entire time. Anyway, we'll wrap up the Q and a on that one. I hope you enjoyed this. Like I said, at the beginning of the episode, make sure you're on my mailing list. If you're not, we're going to be running a huge sale and you're going to be opening up online, uh, fitness coaching applications beginning of the year, but it's not going to last very long. And then they won't be open again until summer or maybe even fall. It's complete honesty. Uh, and if you have a health or fitness goal, if you want some help building muscle, burning fat, developing those healthy lifestyle habits so that you can make progress and sustain it. If you want me to help you understand what you got to do so that you can just show up, put in the work and know that what you're doing is working. The opportunity is coming up here real soon. And uh, I would love to hear from you. So I hope uh, that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again. 
for listening. If you watched it on YouTube, thank you for watching. I'm excited to come back here in the next one very soon. Talk to you soon.